Oh yeah, I mean the, the beautiful part about syndication is being able to be part of something larger than you could do on your own. And the key is building those relationships. I like to say that as an agent, whether you're residential or you're commercial, your network is your value. An investor's not gonna come to me and trust me to find them a deal if I can't also provide them a good general contractor, a good um, you know, property management company, a good electrician. If I don't have those pieces lined up for them or the you know, knowledge and experience of working with all these different cities, I'm not the right person for them. That Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. All right, guys, today I have Aaron Thomas on, a real estate agent who focuses on investors and how to have life balance in the mom world, which can be crazy tough, but she specializes in commercial multifamily, so basically two units and up. So today we're going to dive in pretty deep into what it's like to be an agent who specializes in focus in investors and some of the benefits there. So just some of the accolades that we could say about Erin Thomas is that she's founded one of the fastest growing investor network groups called Investor Source CLE. So we'll get into that as well. Erin Thomas, thank you so much for giving us your time and take us in as always. What's the craziest real estate transaction or experience you've had so far? Of course. Well, first, thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, I guess the craziest transaction... It's something that just happened and it was more of taking a risk. So in December of 2020, I walked a property, a very large property in Pepper Pike, 7,000 square feet house that needed everything. It was like walking into a time capsule from 1950s. It was wild. Um, but it didn't work out for most investors because in this area, in order to flip the property, you need to make everything new, new furnaces, new air conditioners, new garage doors. But I saw an opportunity and I called my husband. I said, hey, I think I want to buy this house. Do you want to come see it first? And uh, this is the second time I've done that to him, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so he's used to it at but, this point. Uh, yeah. Yes. So I come and I walk it and I loved it. And he was actually on a boat um, off of Guadalupe Island, um, shark diving. And so I'm like, hey, just so you know. So I sent him these videos and I just, I loved it. And it was a very... Scary, nerve-wracking experience for us because for us to do it, we um, purchased the house for $525,000. And I used one of my hard money lenders who I love to refer people to because his out-of-pocket is so low. So out-of-pocket, I actually put $18,000 down. But $11,000 of that was my commission. So really, I spent like less than seven dollars to purchase this 7,000-square-foot house. And then... Um, we got a separate rehab loan at another 15%, but to be paid at the refinance. So I called my husband. I said, look, you have to quit your job for us to do this. So he left the job at the post office to become our contractor. And we decided to flip this house. And it was either going to make us or break us. Like 100%, we were going to claim bankruptcy or it was going to do really well. And so when you say make um, us or break so us, you meant financially, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we had invested. We're in a... a half a million dollar loan at 15% interest. So my monthly payments were over $6,000 a month. And um, just keeping that up on one salary because I told him to quit his job. Um, so it was really up to me and then up to him to do the work. So we did days and nights and weekends and long, long hours. And uh, January of this year, we, we actually refinanced it and it appraised at 1.05 million. So we did exactly what we set out to do. Um, after counting in the money that we put into it and, um, 
you know, the holding costs and everything like that, it's about $380,000 worth of equity we created. So, but it was, I'll tell you, it was touch and go there for a minute. No doubt. So let's, it was exciting. let's dive into the deal. So you buy it for, was it 525? Is that, is it, did I get that number right? Yeah. Okay. So 525 and then you're going to pay some, some money loan, hard money costs, et cetera. And then you got mm-hmm. rehab. So how much of the cost was rehab? How much was in the hard money costs? Yeah. So we did 525,000 of uh, purchase price. Then separately, I got a hundred thousand dollar rehab loan from an investor who had been trying to work with me and invest with me. So my challenge was to flip this million dollar home for a hundred thousand dollars using my network, and that's what we did. So I have some really great contacts at liquidation places, and you know every bathroom in this place, and there's four and a half of them, was a sixty inch vanity. So I'm getting these huge vanities, but uh, we wanted the floor. So we, I have somebody who works at Danone Lumber. Um, a good friend, and I got hardwood hickory 16-foot planks throughout the entire first floor, which ended up looking beautiful. I have a really great contact at Floors in Mayfield, and so he helped me out with the uh, carpeting for upstairs. So I was able to do these really, really great higher-end finishes at a reasonable budget, and the labor being the biggest thing, my husband doing it all, you know, I saved on all of that that labor cost. Then we did like little tricks. I like to tell people like use Menards. So we bought all of our cabinets from Menards, got the, you know, higher end stuff, but then you get that 11% rebate. And then that went to, you know, other stuff that we needed for the house. And so just little tips and tricks like that, I think helped prolong that money. Now, full transparency here, we did not finish our master bathroom. So it's still down to the studs. So when we refinanced our house, they kind of cut us off a bathroom, but it still ended up working out. And that's what matters. So you mentioned early on, it's a flip. Now you're using words like equity and our. Oh yeah, now we live here. Right? Is that what happened? Yeah, now we live here. Uh, It's in one of the best school districts, which having two little boys, like that was important to us. We put blood, sweat, and tears in here. I think it kind of started like, maybe we'll flip it. Maybe we'll live here. We didn't really know what to do. And then again, to flip it, you had to replace all the stuff. So we haven't replaced our garage doors yet. That's on the track record for this year. We're going to do the exterior and the garage doors. But we have three decks off the house. One of them is like 1,100 square feet alone. So just refinishing that is a project. So in order for us to flip it, there was just so much more money that had to get poured into it that for us to live here, we can sit with that equity and live in this amazing home and have this amazing school system and just live that way. So the feelings and the emotions before you made this decision were probably, I mean, just describe them for me. What were they like? Oh man. Well, first off, I love negotiating. That's why I love commercial real estate. And the owner of this house, there was only ever one owner. He built it with his wife. He was an attorney. His wife had passed away. His girls had all grown up and moved away. And he was fierce about his price. So I love to say that I'm an investor agent and I don't have the emotions. I don't understand that, I don't know, that emotional feeling that you have to have when you go and buy a house. That is just not who I am. But then all of a sudden I'm having these emotional feelings (laughs) for this house and I'm like, oh God. So I had originally offered 450,000. Clearly I came way high off of my price point um, to close at the 525. So eventually there was an emotional factor that played into it. But I mean, I think there was an excitement just because I love this kind of stuff. Um, there was a, 
I was really excited that my husband had enough faith in me to trust my skills and, hey, I think we can do this. I think this will be what it'll cost, like what will make us in the end. Um, but really not having any of those hard data because there was really nothing like it. Yeah. So that was exciting. But then for him, there was a whole, you know, becoming an entrepreneur or an investor, there's like a, a learning curve in the beginning. You're now your own boss. How do you force yourself to wake up? How do you force yourself to go to work? What are the hours that you're working? And so we had that up and down that he had to go through and renovating the house. Just, okay, I know you don't have to go to work, but you have to go to work sort of thing. Um, so there was a ton of emotions that went along with this. Did he have contracting experience before that or was this kind of like... Yeah, so his yeah his uncle used to build multi-million dollar mm. homes. So um, his uncle owns Gillette Construction, which is an east side, pretty large construction company. And that like his senior project was his grandma's house. So that's what he knew it was ground up construction. Honestly, the biggest challenge I have right now is trying to get him to understand that not every rental property needs to look like a house you're going to live in yeah. <laughs> and what the differences in those renovations are because he just wants to go all out for everything. And I got to rein him in a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Put profit a little bit more in the forefront. Love this. Exactly. So tell us, like, obviously it's very cool to have somebody that is clearly an agent, but focuses on investors. So can you describe the difference of what your day looks like focusing on investors as opposed to retail buyers and sellers? Yeah. So I say the biggest difference is I work with a lot of the same people all the time. So most agents, and I really can't speak to residential agents too much because I really never was one. I started as a wholesaler. I got my license and then I was working at a boutique brokerage that really did investments. So that's really what I've always known. Um, but for me, I think the biggest differences are that I'm working with more experienced people. So I'm not having to go through what the buying process looks like and explaining all those steps, which for me, I like. I also don't have that emotional factor that, um, you know, unknown, they have to have the feelings. And then, you know, as you create this buy box for an investor, you know, I like to call it Tupac. Um, an investor's buy box is Tupac. It's their type, their occupancy, the price, the area, the condition. Those are the five things they care about. And when it comes to homeowners, it's a little bit different. There's more. There's They're picturing their future and their life and there's price points. And um, that's very different. So for me, I am very um, time block oriented now. And I start my morning with a lot of lead gen and calling you know, other owners or expireds or um, clientele that I've already worked with. And the middle part of the afternoon, which is the most different, is I'm going through and analyzing deals. Um, so say a commercial deal. So I start my morning, I typically go on LoopNet and see what new deals have come up. And I by the afternoon, I've gotten the offering memorandums and the documentation. And now my mid-afternoon, I review that. And whatever it fits, I send to my buyers that are looking for that type of criteria or that it makes sense. Unless it's a terrible deal, and then I just don't do anything with it. But so I am closing deals with the same people. So I get very, very familiar with them, their buy boxes. I'm checking, you know, wholesaler emails and what's coming through. So I, I think the biggest difference is, A, the analyzing of the properties, because you really don't have to do that in a residential transaction. You know, what are the rents? What could the rents be? What kind of renovations are needed? And then um, just consistently working with the same people and helping them grow as well, not just staying in a single family you know, buy box, helping them grow and expand so they can buy multifamily. So you being an investor, how do you decide what hits your desk for you and what hits your client's desk? Or yeah, exactly. Oh, I love this question. <laughs> 
So I've always loved multifamily. And so I invested in single family. And that just seemed to be the easiest thing. That The things that I liked, I would go this way and the multifamily would go that way. Um, right now, there is, I actually just sold my multi, or my single family portfolio and we're in the middle of a 1031 looking for a multifamily to buy. The thing with commercial is that it doesn't have to be me or you, it can be us. Yes. So as I've created these are these really great relationships with these buyers, there's trust. They trust me, my market knowledge, you know, my expertise here. I trust them for their closing, you know, and they can help be the funding partner while I can be, you know, the general partner. And so now there's this really cool um blended relationship that can happen. It doesn't have to be this deal is mine. It could be hey, I have other investors who I already know would love this deal. Why don't we do it all together? Excellent. And you're using words like general partner, limited partner. So you're talking about either a syndication or a fund. Syndication. Syndication. Yeah, yeah excellent. And so this is a really interesting thing that doesn't happen on the just being an agent world. Like you're developing clients that provide income for you constantly, relationship sources that then end up becoming a bigger thing. Just so we can really illustrate this a little bit. Like in a general yeah. partnership, you're running the deal. You're finding it. You're doing all of the work. And then essentially these investors are coming in, they're pitching in money and they're getting specified returns. Like, give us an idea yeah. of how you like to structure these things. Um, so that gets a little bit different and I'm still new to the being on the structured end. I've always been on the, I'm working with the clients and, you know, I know how they find the money, but um, typically like we just did an example at our investor event where, um, I think it was a $300,000 raise and one of the investors chipped in hundred K one of them chipped in, um, 50 K and the, or two fifty K hundred K, whatever that number looks like. Um, math on the spot is not my forte. <laughs> and, um, but then there's a specified return that they are expecting, you know, down the line. And it depends on if it's a renovation up front or if it's, you know, um, I'm sorry, if you're like flipping it up front or if there's going to be a cash out refinance and all the different nuances that go along with it. So I think everyone's a little bit different. I'm not sure how to answer that in plain sight without like a deal in front of me sure. to say this is how I would do this, I guess. Well, that's a good answer in um, of its own right. You're structuring these on a deal-by-deal yeah. deal basis as opposed to, you know, creating something that's bigger. I mean, because obviously, usually if you're doing all deals lumped together, it's usually more in a fund, those types of things. But I just love that we're giving exposure to agents and investors out there that like, this is a real thing. Like you can leverage these mm -hmm. relationships that you've built to do bigger and bigger deals. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, the, the beautiful part about syndication is being able to be part of something larger than you could do on your own. And the key is building those relationships. I like to say that as an agent, whether you're residential or your commercial, your network is your value. An investor is not going to come to me and trust me to find them a deal if I can't also provide them a good general contractor, a good, um, you know, property management company, a good electrician. If I don't have those pieces lined up for them or the, you know, knowledge and experience of working with all these different cities, I'm not the right person for them. That network is what makes it so valuable. And that network, just like I was able to show, that network can save everybody so much money to flip a million dollar house for a hundred thousand dollars because of that network use it, implement it. And that network is really, really one of the biggest key points. And as you grow and you build these investment relationships, I mean, I'm part of the legacy family and it's, it really is like a family. I could call them for any deal. I actually did yesterday. I had a 16 unit that was falling apart that I was like, maybe I'll just buy it. And so I was like, okay, how do we put this together? And basically 24 hours 
And I literally had three of the different people on the calls with me ready to go. So, so amazing. You mentioned expires and my ears perked up because I built my agent business off expires. But this was very different. I was calling people, getting them on back on the market, getting them at the right price, selling the property. I'm assuming that's not what you're doing. You're looking for investment deals. So tell us about how you work expires. I mean, so, I mean, it's, it's very similar, except instead of going in the residential category in the MLS, I'm clicking on multifamily and commercial. It's, it's the same thing. Um, I, I'll tell you that I'm not like calling is new to me. Um, I have been, my entire business was built off Facebook. Um, I want everyone to know that this took three years to build. It's not just like, go make four posts and this is going to work for you. But I've been so consistent in Facebook and building up that, um, I guess, I guess the trust with all the people in these different groups that just yesterday had someone call me and say, Hey, I have a 40 unit portfolio. I'd like you to sell. I see you posting in all the groups all the time. So I know you're active. It, it's literally just them seeing my face pop up a hundred times with every listing, every closing, every deal, answering questions. That to me has been the most valuable piece. So the calling is new to me. Um, but I love commercial because it's more about building relationships than it is like, Hey, let me list your property. Like, Hey, tell me about it. What is working for you? What's not working for you? What do your rents look like? And I think coming from that more conversational tone makes the conversation a little bit easier. I give you know tons of props to agents who just cold call um, residential buyers and get yelled at all the time because I think it's much harder as investors calling investors and they understand what you're doing yeah. and uh, not as difficult. And so a lot of times these properties are expired because they're overpriced. And so do you just view it as a long game? Like, Hey, I'm going to talk to them. I know they're going to want a million dollars for their $300,000 building. Uh, and, and then just slowly work them down over time or what's your process? No, definitely not. I, I think as a realtor, it is your job to be transparent with your clients. You need to tell them this is the price or this isn't the price. And there's a thing about coachable relationships. So if I'm coming to you and every indicator from the income that it's bringing in, the pro forma, the ARV, if all these numbers are saying it should be 100K and you want 200K, am I going to sign that deal up just so I can sit here and try to sell an unsellable deal? And I learned that the hard way. I had the second largest listing in our MLS last year at $12.5 million with four other apartments with the same seller. And all of them are overpriced. But I was like, hey, I got all these apartments. Look at me go. Only I spent like eight months selling unsellable deals. And I got nowhere. I, I made $0 from all of this. Spent some money it, too. It was really frustrating. And eventually I had to fire the, sell the sellers. I was like, I can't do this anymore. I mean, I had gotten them over 25 offers that were at around um, 10 or 11 million. So at 12 and a half million, you are severely overpriced. But they, they didn't respect my, you know, data, my knowledge, the market speaking to them, and it didn't get me anywhere. So for me, it's finding the right sellers, the motivated sellers. And I don't say motivated, meaning they want to sell for the lowest price, meaning that they're willing to work with me and together we can find what the right solution is. You know, let's start it high. If you think it's worth this much, let's try my marketing, which is different than everybody else's. Let's try my marketing. We'll implement that first and I will sell it like I'm selling it at $4. I will push it as hard as I can push it to get you the most money. And if in two weeks that doesn't work, you and I are going to have a conversation. Yeah, totally. And so take us in. So a lot of your deal flow has been Facebook 
And then obviously now you're starting to acquire through expireds. Like, are there any other lead sources or has, has Facebook just been like so focused? So you know, it's so funny that I don't even think I was like focused on Facebook. Mm. It was just, I liked answering people's questions in the groups and it just made sense to post it. So it just kind of happened and now I'm just going to roll with it. Um, but beyond that, I do call the expireds. I do have a list of like multifamily owners just that I want to connect with just to build that community of multifamily owners. We're all here doing the same thing. We should all grab a drink every now and then. Um, beyond that, having a networking event and going to networking events is a huge lead source for me. Um, and then I work really closely with our wholesalers. I'm not wholesaling. I need everyone to hear this because my broker would kill me. I am not wholesaling, but I can uh, bring a buyer to their wholesale deal and it worked for everybody. Yeah. Speaking of networking, I mean, you have one of the fastest growing network networks out there. So tell us about that. Oh my gosh. It's amazing. So Investor Source CLE was started by myself and five of my partners. So I'm a co-founder, not the founder. Um, and actually, I was the last member to our, our gang here. Uh, but what's really cool is we pitch it. It's more of a panel-style interview surrounded around a topic. And you have six people who are all specialists and experts in their retrospective fields of investing. So we have a lender who does mostly all investment properties. He can go up to commercial properties, DSCR loans, tons and tons of a different investment products. Um, and he just specializes in that. So he is your guy for lending. Uh, we have a wholesaler. That is what he does. Um, we, the rest of us are agents. I specialize in multifamily. Um, Kaz Filipova has um, built this incredible agent co-working space. She's with EXP. Um, and so she's kind of the person who talks about building your businesses and hiring people. Uh, then we've got Wayne Brooks and Wayne um, is another agent. He really does a lot of construction and Airbnb. So he comes from a totally different knowledge base. And then we've got Jenny, who is our glue, and she's also a stager. She's great with interior design. So she's really great at that, adding that um, design element, that that feminine touch. She's our feminine touch because the rest of us, including Kaz, we're a little more on the high D profile. Go, go, go. <laughs> so she is our softer side mm. and the person who keeps us focused. So we each have our strengths and we work so well together that when we bring this and what we're doing is we're just adding value. And I think that transparency, that honesty, and the fact that we're all coming from a place of expertise where if you were to go to anyone else's networking event, you're probably going to see one of us because yeah. we're always at them. We're always involved and we want to be involved. And I think that transpires over to this. So First, we give out food and drink, which everyone loves, and we do it on a Thursday, like mid-afternoon, which I think that time is perfect for events like this, that four to six window. They got off work. They can come, but they can still go home with their kids. And then each week is just geared around a topic that has content for new investors and old investors. You know, my last one was all about multifamily, and we went from analyzing a deal to syndicating a deal on a very high level. And... So whether you are new or experienced, there is something you should have gained and left with. And the people in the room, this is my favorite part, is we are not the smartest people in this room. Like there are such high level investors that the other people there don't even know about that I love that we have that community as well. They're still coming and learning from us and we're, we're just really building a network at our networking event. And if I can add value or help someone out in any way, that's, that's really the benefit for me. And have you guys structured this to be a, a free get together or is it a paid mastermind or 
Yeah, and that's I love that question because I think this is going to evolve. So right now it's a free networking event. On the first Thursday of every month, it's at Icon Cowork um, from four to six, and that's free. We do plan to host a really big Christmas party this year, but further than that, we do plan to create a higher level mastermind type of event where there is a topic from each of our sectors. Um, that you, that'll be a paid event that you come very early in the works here, but I think it's going to grow and I think it's going to evolve. You know, we also end the event with, um, actual deals. So I invite wholesalers to submit their deals, other agents to submit their deals. It needs to be a minimum of a 10% cap rate. If it's residential, an 8% cap rate, if it's commercial or a minimum $30,000 profit, if it's a flip. But as long as it meets those criteria, you can come stand in front of everybody. I'll create a slide for you and present it to the entire room. And that's 100, 200 people that you're presenting that deal to. That's that's a win for everybody. But um, yeah, I think that piece where we're actually making deals happen while adding value and you know educating, I think those two pieces together is what makes it so unique. Well, how fun. I mean, it's almost like a shark tank. Uh that's so cool. Like I would love to present deals in front of 200 people. I mean, some people might be really nervous, but you know, it's cool. Like, I mean, uh, and just to have that much feedback and if 200 people in the room all say no, you know, okay, the deal's not right. And then you could learn and grow and adapt. Exactly. And what other event do you know of that is asking other people to participate? Like we're not up there. Like we are the smartest people in the room. You need to learn and listen to us. We're like, Hey, what do you got? Like, let's share the deals. Like I have buyers for this you know, let's, let's, let's do this together. And it creates a real collaborative process in a field where a lot of times people can get really competitive with each other in ways that they really shouldn't. I mean, there's more deals out there than people could buy in most cases, most markets. You're spot on. I I like this, make that come the, uh, compare the two that's residential commercial. And one of the things I love about commercial is in residential, it's very, my buyer, my seller. And it's like head to head competition. Where in commercial, it's like, my seller needs this. Your buyer needs this. How can we work together to get this done? Yeah. And there's so many different ways to get creative with the closing of it that it is a little more collaborative and less competitive. Yeah. You also speak a lot to moms that have, uh, you know, passions, real estate passions. So take us into like, what have you learned? What has it been like, uh, you know, developing a following in that sector? Oh, Um, Well, so I have two boys, um, a five-year-old and a two-year-old, and I have a husband who just blew out his knee. So I basically, Mm. let's add a 40-year-old to that mix right right now because I have to take care of all of them. Um, And it's hard. And I have found that time blocking is really one of the most important things because everything is time blocked for me. Um, I am able to start my mornings with my husband and like reading a book, and then I get to make breakfast for the kids before they go to school. But then we come home and you know, my four to six window, except on that Thursday, is um, all with them. And it's really more like, I don't know, four to seven. But making dinner, really pouring into them because they're little. And you only have, what do they say? You have like eight years with your kids being little. And I don't want to miss that. So it is hard because I think as realtors, we think we always have to be on. We always have to answer the phone. The fire is going to, you know, not going to get put out without us. But I've learned that the fire's usually still there in another hour. It'll be okay. You'll figure it out. Um, and hopefully providing that grace. I think just showing that, that, hey, you can be this awesome entrepreneur. You can have your own business. And you can be a great mom, too. It's going to take a little bit of sacrifice in two different places. But you can do it. 
And it's hard. I mean, trust me, like, especially when my husband just blew out his knee and like my littlest one was homesick last week. I'm like, how am I going to do this? Now I'm driving him to school, which means I'm missing my accountability call at 830. It's, it could be difficult. But Shonda Rhimes gave a speech once and she said, um, everybody always asked her, how does she do it? You know, how is she this amazing writer and also amazing mom? And she said, what everyone needs to know is that if I was on stage accepting an award, it means that I was missing my son's baseball practice. And if I was at home coloring with my kids or at a dance recital, it was probably because I was late on my deadline for my next book. And so that, like, it, there is no balance. That's the trick. There is no balance. It's really time blocking everything that's most important to you into your day first and then letting the rest of it filter in. Yeah. Do you find that working with investors gives you more flexibility because maybe they understand it's about investment, not like my home now, or is it very similar? I think so. I think it's more about scheduling. So homeowners are typically working in nine to five. So the only time they have to go see houses are in the evenings or on the weekends where working with investors, they only want to work nine to five. They want their evenings and their weekends to themselves as well. So that to me allows me to live the life I want to live with my family and have my most of my nights and most of my weekends free to be with them. How do you decide what that sacrifice looks like? You mentioned it, you have to sacrifice on both sides. Like, how have you come to settle on what your schedule looks like today? Trial and error. <laughs> I, um, I, I did a lot of things in the morning and, you know, everyone always says, you know, win the morning, win the day. So I knew that that time frame in the morning was where most of my really important things needed to go. And as long as I can accomplish basically through noon and the rest of the day falls apart, that's okay. Um, I try not to sacrifice the time I have with them. Um, there are, like, I have a deal that was a very, very tight deadline. It was already out of contract yesterday. And so finding the time to work that in, it, it was a priority that had to get done. But as long as that's not the daily routine and I'm not always interrupting this, you know, it, then it makes sense for you to take that time. But for me, getting to wake them up out of bed, my little or my oldest comes down and works out with me every morning. So do you want to know my time block schedule? You sure. Outline Lay it that? out. Okay. So I wake up at six, come downstairs. My husband and I both make a water um, and we read our book. And then typically by seven o'clock, I'm walking downstairs. My oldest will wake up right around then and he likes to come work out with us. And from seven to about eight, I do a workout downstairs in our basement. Um, and then I come back upstairs and now I get the littlest one and them ready for school. And they're typically out the door by 8.30. So my workout will sometimes end around 7.45 and I get that good window to get them dressed. How's your morning? What's our plan for the day? Let's make breakfast. And they're out the door. And then I have an 8.30 accountability call with my team. I'm on the number one team in Ohio, but one of the really cool parts of our team is that I'm able to build a team within our team. So I now have two coaching clients. I have an admin. I have a transaction coordinator. And I'm kind of building my own branch off of their tree. And I love that. But so I have an 830 accountability call with my team to make sure everyone's on track for their goals, what we're doing. And then I go right into lead gen for the morning. And my lead gen goes straight up until about 1130, small break for lunch. And then the afternoons are for showings and appointments or recording video um, and social media content if I haven't done that. But a lot of times they go hand in hand. If I'm walking, you know, a triplex I have listed, I should just be doing the video while I'm there as well. So, um, and that's kind of the rest of the day. And like I said, around 4.30, then I get time with the family. And if I have to 
catch up on anything after they go to bed, then I have that like eight to nine window. I don't like to do that. I don't want to do that, but it's there if I need to do it. So essentially you treat it very similarly to a 8.30 to 5 job, so to speak, with a little bit of a power morning routine. Oh, yeah. What does the next uh, 12 to 18 months look like for you? What's your vision? Oh, that's exciting. So I definitely want to uh, bring on some more multifamilies, personally owned. Uh, my husband, you know, is going to be doing a lot of the renovations. And now that he needs knee surgery, that threw a little bit of a wrench in the plan. Um, we have a goal by uh, summer of next year that we'd like to buy a vacation house. So we've already started kind of scoping out areas. And, you know, for anyone listening, if you have 12 to 18 month plans, you can't wait for 18 months for this plan to make sense. Mm-hmm. So we want a vacation house. We started talking about it, you know, last year. And now we have portals coming from different places on the Gulf Coast. And my husband's really committed. We went to Columbia once and the housing there is you could get a mansion for like 200000 He's committed to going to Columbia and having this house there. So I'm not as committed to that. But um, we really want to have a vacation house. I would love to bring more agents to my team and help um, more agents, especially learn how to work with investors. I am really passionate about helping all agents, but especially women feel confident investing and working with investors. I am not your run-of-the-mill commercial agent. I don't look like what most people think of a commercial agent. I don't act like what most people think of as a commercial agent. I don't even sell the same way you would think that that would happen. Um, But there's a fun new wave that's happening, and I'm part of KW Commercial, and they're doing a lot of things that are different than anybody else is doing. And allowing commercial to be sold in a new, fun, more modern way. And I want to help as many agents as I can learn this way, learn how to sell and work with investors at a high level. It helps me because you're not signing up deals at crazy prices that I can't sell. And it helps you because now you know how to do and we can all make more money together. Totally. My admin last year, she was all residential and she did 1 million last year. Her goal this year was 3 million. And just in being my admin and being so familiar with my, the deals that I had listed, she's already at past a million this year. Wow. So she's well on her way to be there just because she learned the process of signing up investors. You have the repeat clients of working with investors. So you're not constantly finding, you don't have to find and lead gen the same way. It's more about finding new deals and not about finding new people. Yeah. And um, so that process and that knowledge has allowed her to flourish. Yeah, which is great because new deals is not nearly as hard of a salesy process as, you know, finding new clients. Love this. Well, Aaron Thomas, thank you so much for sharing about your life and your business, giving us all the insights into your 7,000 square foot mansion you're building (laughs) for your family. How cool is that? I would love for you to send me some pictures uh, just so I could see. Oh, I will. We actually posted all the, the, we called it the Snowberry updates. They're all on my YouTube channel. You can watch as we update it all the way. I will be watching. I'll probably be binge watching. I love those types of videos. And so guys, if you're out there listening, write something down. Like, I mean, if you haven't thought about being an agent who serves investors, this might be the time. Take some notes from what you learned today, or maybe you're a mom and you want to like figure out your schedule a little bit so you can still get all the time with your kids that you need, but you can start building on your passions and your financial freedom. So write it down, share it with somebody you know so they can hold you accountable because freedom is acquired one action at a time. And if you take steps day by day, before you know it, you'll be living the life of freedom. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode.